Hey, y'all. Pretend we're football for the next hour. I'm your host, Will Bazer. I'm joined alongside by Johnny Brashear and Timothy Preston, as always. You guys are listening to the Hornscast channel, which you guys can find on any podcasting platform out there. Today, we're going to be going over Texas' schedule for the rest of this year. Basketball is today, when this releases. Uh, also my birthday. Texas starts off with Rio, Texas Rio Grande Valley, then gets going into the Maui Invitational, then has two really big opponents in Villanova and Kentucky in this out-of-conference schedule. Go over everything in that, then break down the Big 12, and specifically where Texas ranks relative to other teams, what the floor and ceiling are, and where we think things shake out with the Big 12 in general. Guys, before we get going, I want to let you guys know this is Budos Band, the song that we usually come out on that's the artists who make it i always forget because honestly we don't i put it in and post but that's who plays us in go ahead and give them a listen they're a great band let's get into this y'all how we been it's uh been two weeks of loneliness for me i i regret to inform everyone that this podcast has had a positive test and thus been canceled everything's put on pause for two weeks and uh we're going to have to revisit later. Uh, I'm not going to say who did it or who was responsible. Um, well, I'm going to channel my inner Davo Sweeney and say, you're just trying to avoid this podcast. I don't care what the doctors say. I don't care what the people who know what they're talking about say. You're just trying to avoid me. I think it's clear to everyone that ever since he got a new microphone, he has refused to wear a mask in any context whatsoever. And uh, it's it's clearly... Tim's fault. So this is what happens when you give, uh, you know, mediocre talent a really good <laughs> microphone, and it all goes to their head. We went through this two years ago with me, so yes, I'm very familiar. You can't put me in Waco in the last seven days. You just can't fucking do it, right? You got nothing on me. No one can pin this shit on me. Every everything was bought in cash. Tim, I don't know. I don't know where you have been in the past two weeks. So you can't say that. Like, you could have been in West Texas getting kolaches and then all of a sudden made a stop. You know, you are best buddies with uh, Scott Drew, I know, so. Just showed up, just started tongue-kissing him from the start, and it was just over. My my alibi is ironclad. You can't, you can't pin that shit on me. There was a slightly portly gentleman with a Midwestern accent by the name of Rio Honcho that did show up in on Baylor's campus recently, and... We have an artist sketch, so I'm going to say, feel like this this house of cards may be followed pretty soon. Iowa man, had some stubble, glasses, short hair on top. Apologized profusely after giving someone COVID, just because he's so nice. He's... Rambled in his stories. Yeah. All of my usernames have 69 at the end. So if it's just real honcho, then the answer is no. If it's real honcho 69, well, okay, maybe, but... We've already established it wasn't, and you can't put me there. Having a so. 69 or 420 at the end of your username is the sign <laughs> of a really good internet user. So, Tim, I congratulate you on that. Guys, let's go ahead and get into Texas basketball, though. I know we've been skating around it, but let's let's go ahead and get right into it. Texas Rio Grande Valley, y'all. Texas basketball starts today. Am I right? They're clearly right. the best Texas directional school near the border. There's no directions in that name. That's what I would say. I I mean, I okay. Yeah. Uh, so next school, what are we talking about next? 
the the best school with a river in its name? <laughs> oh well. No, no. There's Mississippi, uh, in Missouri. <laughs> Is Gonzaga a river? I don't know. There, there's a lot. There's a lot. I'm gonna go find a river and name it Gonzaga, just just to really screw with this. <laughs> it's a school, Texas Rio Grande Valley, Rio Gonzaga Valley. Uh, there we go. <laughs> so there's not much we're gonna really be able to take away from them, uh, seeing as we don't really know who they are in the first place and we don't care. They should not be good enough to play and beat Texas. You're not going to have the same effect that you had with football where teams can get caught early on because they don't have an off season or any off season training. Cause for basketball, they did. And really this team should not be at the same talent level as Texas is, especially not this year. So my questions for y'all are going to be more focused around Texas. What are you guys going to be looking for in Texas in this game to understand what Texas is going to be trying to do this year? It'll probably be within like the first 10 minutes of this game. What are you looking for in terms of rotation, in terms of offense, in offensive play style, and in terms of defense? What you can probably glean about Rio Grande Valley since their current coach, Lou Hill, has been there is they play fast. Um, They've had... They've been in the top 25 percentile. I'm every sorry. When I said we don't know anything about Rio Grande Valley, I meant Johnny and I don't know anything about Rio Grande Valley. Tim knows everything about everything. So Actually, I know I'm how sorry. Lou's first name is spelled, so that's a start. Yeah. <laughs> so it, this will be one of those games where it feels like whatever, and now we will say kind of directional you, right? But there have been a number of years where we've been fooled early in the season by – Oh my gosh, Texas won 101 to 66 against the team. Now we're going to play fast. What a time to be alive. This probably is one of those games where I would assume that uh, almost for sure Texas will be pretty high as far as the scoring column. Uh, maybe in like the 80s to, to mid 90s or possibly above, depending on how things go. It's, it's going to be pretty fast tempo against RGV. So whenever you talk about something like that, I don't know that we're going to be able to glean a lot as far as defensive rotations or different defensive setups or even even how often we'll get into some of our offensive kind of set looks, nor do I know how much they're going to want to put that out there. I mean, if you know you're going to smack a team, on the one hand, you're going to kind of practice some of your shit. On the other hand, you are comfortable with you know just beating a team badly and not getting a whole lot of looks out there for to put stuff on tape, especially when you have as many quality opponents coming up as Texas does. So I, I think it'll be fast. I think that, that obviously this should be a game where Shaka can probably play everybody, everybody. You know, why not? And that will most likely be on the table. But I would caution anybody to, to not take a whole lot from this because it would be more surprising if we don't play fast. Whether or not Texas will play faster, fast or at least faster this year, you know, that's that's maybe a different question. But it would be pretty surprising if this game is not pretty fast, which... Should make it pretty up and down. We'll see a lot of athletic stuff. I'm predicting at least two stupid, crazy Greg Brown the third dunks. What do you think, Johnny? What's your what's your over under on? I, I think if Texas does not run in this game, they are not running this season. Because this this Yeah, definitely. Uh this team with their tempo, they they play at I mean, I guess what I would call it a tempo you might expect from Oklahoma. 
most years. Lon Kruger kind of plays that faster tempo. They're they're not the blinding fast that Texas played uh, last year, the year before. I, I forget who it was I'm thinking of, but there was a team they played that was uh, regularly, it was a Citadel maybe, that they, they played. It was like Grand Valley, I thought, as well. Well, so there was... No, it, w- it was Citadel. Yeah, Citadel yeah, they always was fast. like they, yeah. they played speed over everything. No, Grand Canyon. Right. Grand Canyon University. Yeah. Well, Grand Canyon. And we shit on them. Yeah, Grand Canyon played pretty quickly as well. Citadel and VMI were the two kind of East Coast schools that always played super, super fast. So Yeah, yeah. So basically, if Texas doesn't play fast here, I don't know when they're going to play fast because this is another team who is paving the floor. There's the red carpet being rolled out like, please run as fast as you can along this red carpet. This is what we want to do. So if they don't, then, oh boy, everybody, we got another season of being in the 300s nationally in tempo. So awesome. I would really like to see them push tempo as well. Uh, I would really like to see Greg Brown thunder dunk on at least three dudes. I don't know if it's going to happen, but it'd be nice. It's not a particularly difficult opponent. It's not like they turn things around overnight and are, and are going to take Texas. Although every time we say this, it ends up being some sort of ridiculous upset that just hurts our souls. So, uh, Radford, Radford. Yeah. Or, uh, was it McNeese state who almost did it last year? Or yeah, just (laughs) if this ends up being like 65, 63, that just, I don't even know what to tell people. Like just go to sleep until 2021. (laughs) Like, I, yeah, so I, I mean, I guess that's really all, all I'm looking for because you're not going to be able to tell a bunch of stuff about rotation is uh, how well Andrew Jones is shooting, how well Courtney Ramey is playing within himself, uh, how well or poorly Greg Brown is ingratiating himself into this offense and defense. Do guys like Stretch get uh, an extended run, and are they is is he? Is he effective in those minutes? That sort of stuff is kind of what I'm looking for. Also, I'm kind of curious to see if the offense is significantly different than it was the year before or not. It, it may just be a wrinkle, but we'll see. And I would say two more things as well. On the one hand, during Shaka's press conference on Monday, he had talked about six guys really sticking out. So that's Coleman, Ramey, Andrew Jones, Kai Jones, Greg Brown, and Jericho Sims. That that's kind of the that's the rotational guys or the, the fundamental kind of core that have been at their best or most consistently the best six on the team. If that's true, I still am interested to see how how does a guy like Greg mesh with Jericho if that's a starting five kind of rotation. What does that look like? And then the other thing is, which against a team like Rio Grande Valley, I don't I don't know how indicative it's going to be as far as what we'll see the rest of the year. But one thing that's been a problem is even when Texas has played really well with their starting five, I don't feel like they've been able to get out to big enough, really comfortable leads. You know, we'll get to a 19 point lead and then a rough two minute stretch will bring it down to nine or seven. And so we haven't been able to find those minutes for some of the other lower guys in the rotation. And so, you know, one of the reasons I'm so excited about this team is that those top six guys, like I, I'm super jazzed about what Andrew and Courtney and and Matt and Greg and Kai and, and Jericho are capable to do together. But is that top group good enough to really not not just get out to leads, but stretch those leads to where we get like, you know, are we up by 25 with four minutes left in the first half? 
I think a really good team that would hope for second weekend aspirations or beyond or whatever should be able to with their top guys stretch out and do a lead like that. Are we seeing something like that? Are we are we able to do that and find some of those big big leads, which will then give Shaka some more leeway to play around with? Okay, let's find those minutes for stretch. Okay, let's you know fight through whatever walls are there for Will if he has a rough shooting season like he did last not 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 necessarily this bad game but so figuring out just how good like what level are we actually talking about with that top six and and what does Greg not only bring to that group but also how does he fit in with a guy like Jericho who we've really only ever seen play as that primary screener on the ball and then with those pieces as they as they fit together and also I'm going to be interested to see if Lance Blanks is in full-on homer form to start the season or if he's still a little rusty because it's been a while we'll see if he only hugs one of the guys or if he hugs all five of them or if he's giving them high fives as they leave the court each time to rotate other guys in and does he high five the other guys we got to see how how Lowell and Lance are doing while wearing what I can only assume are astronaut suits at the courtside. Who is the guy who does the color for Craigway on the radio show? Oren. Oren? He's kind of an older guy. Yeah. Sounds like he's always four shots deep. Yes, that's Eddie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, My idol. Yeah, that that guy, I... I, (laughs) I'm sure he's a good guy. I'm sure he's really nice. I think they could maybe do better. Well, here's the thing. He's like, it's, I mean, so, okay. An on-the-fly analysis, yeah. But at the same time, that dude has been a scout for a really long time for, like, NBA teams and stuff. So it's not that he doesn't know anything. He Like, he knows a lot. Oh, he's, no, I'm sure he knows his ball. I'm sure he knows his ball yeah, real, real good. Yeah. But... You know, he reminds me of Mike Shannon with the Cardinals, but he without the the charm or the ability to charm like Mike Shannon of the Cardinals, who is just every game, you know, or uh, what's his name? The the show Brockmire. Oh, Brockmire, where you know he's just drunk and look. Brockmire has more charm than all three of us combined, and you will keep his name out of your mouth, you son of a bitch. No, bro, dude, he's great. He's great. I won't say his name. He's great, but he's able to charm you with his drunkenness, and I don't feel like Oren gets the <laughs> chance to do so. And because of that, he comes off as uh, it should be I more Craig Way. I just gotta say, and this is a you know I'm taking this in a tougher direction. I think. So in my entire life, of all the times I can ever remember laughing really hard at something, so there's a movie called Big Top Pee Wee, <laughs> which is crazy. I'm sure you both thought this would go. And for this some, is the way and, I was thinking this big, conversation would go when I was talking right. about Rio Grande Valley, but right. So in Big Top Pee Wee, at one point, Pee Wee Herman falls into this like netting from like a trapeze. It falls down and he can't get out. And I just, I don't. It's just so stupid, but I laugh so hard. <laughs> and like it hurt me, like like one of those like you laugh so hard it hurt. And then Austin Powers when uh, Will Ferrell's like it's gangrenous or whatever when he like he goes down the shoot. But then the Brockmire from season one where they cut after a commercial and he is 
broadcasting like he's talking while he's having sex with Amanda Pete. If you're just joining us, we've got a good one going here. <laughs> Mine is always fatty boombalatty. <laughs> they just keep bringing, they bring three successively fatter patters to the plate. Exactly. Is it's that show has so much and goodness. that and that's what sells Brockmire on yeah. staying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With that fat ass when he gets just smoked by a fat <laughs> Yeah. It is so funny. It's a great yeah. show. It's so a great anyway, show. that's what, what we think of when we see, hear Eddie Oren and analyze a basketball game. Is yeah. Fatty Boomalatti. sign right in the keister and Brock Meyer is into it. <laughs> Drunker Brock Meyer, not able to charm like him. That's fair. Uh, no, no one right. charms like Hank Azaria, so that's fair. <laughs> True. Next thing Texas has going on in this auto conference schedule is the Maui Invitational. Texas is Texas actually going to Hawaii? Is Hawaii no, Hawaii has been really, really, really locked down during all of this? It's the Maui Asheville, North Carolina Invitational. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, they're almost the yeah. same. They're they're practically yeah. the same. Like one of them is landlocked, one of them is in the middle of the ocean. Maybe we get lucky and someone still sends Bill Walton to Maui. While this happens, <laughs> oh God! We have to listen to oh, that's the worst. Am I? Am I? Speaking be, of yeah. drunk, yeah. No, he's not drunk. Mm-hmm. He's on. He yeah. That's the one thing he is not. So dude's high on life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, My look, Lord. let's. Ugh. If I can give a piece of praise about Bill Walton, if there is one human in which I would like to meet in an Ayahuasca tent. It would be Bill Walton. Ayahuasca. Yeah, whatever. Like Ayahuasca. at that point, vowels are sort of negligible, so it doesn't matter. That'd be great, but I don't want to hear him call broadcast with the team I'm interested in. He's just, it's just worse. It's not the worst. Dan Dockage is the worst. He's the second worst. Because at least Bill yeah, Walton is a close. circus tent animal that run amok, whereas Dan Dockage is like that softball coach who doesn't know his team sucks. Help me remember, it, it, does Bill Walton actually know what he's talking about when he's on the broadcast? I feel like he never does. If he is focused and he is paying attention and he is talking about the subject at hand, then yes, he very much knows basketball. The issue is that he is most of the time talking about something on a completely different astral plane from what is happening on the basketball court and or he is hawking something that somebody clearly paid him to hawk like <laughs> by china or like yeah like like when he the alibaba, alibaba thing group. yes the alibaba thing <laughs> or whenever maui gym sponsors the in maui invitational he talks about their sunglasses 48 times a game and is wearing them every time they cut the camera to him so yeah i would sell out hard too if they paid me that's not real hard. Yeah, I don't know if anybody sells out quite as hard as Bill Walton does, but that's he's 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 pretty uh, up enough there. about Bill Walton though. Let's get into the teams Texas is playing. Texas starts off with Davidson, and then their second game will be against Indiana or Providence. After that, it's a little bit of a toss up. Alabama or UNC are probably the teams. Maybe Stanford is is a team that makes it. Let's go ahead and say if they're playing either Alabama or UNC because those are the two teams that honestly are worth talking about start with Davidson and one or two of Indiana and Providence 
What should Texas fans be watching out for in those games? What should Texas fans be expecting going into this tournament? And, yeah, answer those two questions. Hey, you know what's interesting is Bob McKillop has been at Davidson a long time. And a long time. Long. Is he the guy who brought in Steph Curry? Yes. Yeah. And was there for a while before yeah, that, Yeah, yeah, no, he's he's been there for at least since 97. I, I don't know how far back it goes, but it's at least since 97. And they have made the tournament, let's see, nine times in that 20-plus years, 24 and counting years. They had the Elite Eight run with Steph Curry, and other than that... Which for Davidson, a small school out of the Carolinas... North Carolina, yep. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, no, an Elite Eight run is extremely good, and he's made the tournament a handful of times since then, uh, you know, before and since. Uh, never, He's never capitalized anywhere near that. And it's been... I well, he probably wasn't making it last year. So let's say this this will be going. If he doesn't make it this year, it'll be three years since he made the tournament. So it, they're they're a decent mid major. They're not they're not great. They're not terrible. Um, it's not a gimme. Texas should be a significant favorite. But having said that, I I I am just uh, honestly, it's it's nothing against Davidson because they're you know sort of an interesting team in their own way. I don't know who I want to see more out of Indiana or Providence. I, you know, Indiana is interesting because of their sort of high upside potential. Providence is more of a, I know that'll be a good game because I, I really like their coach and he, he always has his teams prepared. I, I guess maybe we should just hope and pray that all eight teams are still eligible at that point And there's not like three teams out with COVID. <laughs> so we'll see. Nobody's doing a bubble anywhere, so good luck with that. There are a number of good and interesting teams to play here. North Carolina is obviously sort of the headliner, although they're not necessarily the best team in this bracket, like Bama might be, or uh, frankly, Texas might potentially be. I would actually really like to see Texas and Bama play because I like Nate Oates a lot, and wouldn't be the worst to get a scouting look at that guy if things don't work out with Shaka. And I can just have my fever dream for a moment. I, <coughs> I I know his buyout is massive, so that's probably not happening. But uh, you know, give me a, give me a day. I give me a day and just watch it. Plus, Bama's getting a lot of good recruits, and they like he likes to play fast. So again, this is another. Is instance. Tevin Mack still there? No, no. He Tevin Mack played he, in is that. Is he still playing? Yeah, Tevin Mack. He transferred to South Carolina or Clemson. Well, he, he's South he's Carolina. done now. He was in the TBT right. tournament early this year uh, with the team that was like former Clemson players or something like that, former South Carolina players. And uh, you will be stunned to know that the time I tuned in, he was yelling at his teammates. Uh, so there's that. I know that's very out of character for him. But yes. So. But no slaps. No, not that I saw. Uh, <laughs> you know, I wasn't watching the entire time. So. Could have happened in a commercial break, like in semi-pro. You know, they just got a big old fight, and then TV cameras kicked back on. They went back to normal. So I guess if I, you know, if I'm a Texas fan and I am looking at the teams I most want to see in this after Davidson, if I've got to pick two personally, I'd like to see Providence and Alabama. North Carolina would always be great to see. UNLV would be interesting because that's also Berger's team, and he's a former uh, Hoiberg guy. And he's trying to build that team up into something resembling a little bit like 
you know, Hoiberg's Iowa State teams. So there are some interesting possible matchups coming up, but we'll see. We'll see how they end up. So the Davidson game will be as as much as I don't think that we're going to see anything as far as really really indicative of of how Texas will ultimately play against Rio Grande Valley. The opposite is true against Davidson. The tempo that they play with is is as slow or maybe even slower than than Texas has been under Shaka, which is really saying something. That's really saying something because Davidson or because we've been really slow. If we come out against a team like Davidson and can find ways to push tempo. So earlier, Will, we were talking, maybe it was even off air. I apologize for listeners if I'm bringing in stuff that, that I thought was there. But when you consider what do we really want to see? when So when, when Johnny and I talk about how do we play faster? So some things that you can talk about to, like, to play faster or like increase possessions. We are talking about things like playing into passing lanes defensively, like trying to get trying to get more deflections or steals. You can talk about trapping, either full court press, three quarter court press, uh, trapping in the half court. You can talk about how actively we pursue offensive rebounding. You can talk about how how hard you're crashing and then looking for outlet passes. You can talk about who puts you know who takes the ball out of bounds. You know, like it's I don't know how many times it's been really frustrating over the years with Shaka of like. Okay, apparently fucking Jer- Jericho Sims has to be the only one who ever takes the ball out of bounds when he's in the game and stuff like that. Like, you know, certainly playing faster is a mindset. My my personal favorite is when Royce Ham decides that someone needs to inbound the ball to him. <laughs> like, no, no, not no, not you. <laughs> but but there's also some X's and O things that you can that you can incorporate if you want to play faster. I just can't imagine that Shaka would look at this team. And look at athletes like Greg, like Kai, like Andrew, like Stretch, like Jericho, like Matt, and not think, boy, we could really get out out and move. And this is going to be an opportunity for us to to play pretty fast. So I'm fascinated against against Davidson to see what we're looking at. Are we able to, you know, two things. How fast are we hoping to play? And then, of course, also, what can we dictate with that? People often talk about teams like, oh, well, Sure, they can win in an up-tempo game, but can they win in a grind-it-out? Or, yeah, they can win if it, they can slow down tempo, but are they able to win in a, in a track meet? But I guess I'm just as interested in, can we force a team to play like we want them to like like we want to play? And I feel like North Carolina always always does that. Like they just they always play fast, and they don't really allow you to slow tempo. They just have you know they have like we're gonna fucking outlet unless pass you're them. Texas, in, in which case <laughs> for some reason they aren't North Carolina. There's some some team that's faking being North Carolina, but they still play fast. But they play fast. They just win it, fast. Yeah, we're going to be it's, it's still yeah. it's still North Carolina's tempo for the most part, which is great. And I think there's a reason that that Texas is is ranked so high on a guy's stuff like well, like Ken Palm, where they're top ten preseason, or Bart Torbick, where they're number one. I think that that's because you expect a team of seniors not only to kind of be at their peak as far as how good they're going to get in college, but also to be able to say. Hey, we've played so many games. We've seen these situations so many times that we can impose our will on others and we can force games to be played on our terms. And this game will be exactly that. McKillop can coach, right? I, you know, I, I I don't know that that I would say that he's a top 15 coach in the country, but I definitely think that he's a guy that has a style, that understands what he wants to do. And you don't last that long and kind of have that kind of success, you know, unless you know your shit. And so it'll be interesting for me to see, can Texas 
come out and whatever will they want to dominate. Like, is, is Shaka still willing to play slow? Is he okay with that? I think we're going to find that out. Or is he is he able to kind of pull the strings and get us playing faster? Whatever that might be, that game, to me, I'm going to watch really closely to see what kind of inclination can we start reading from that as far as those games against whoever's next, whether it's Providence or Indiana or anybody. Like, I'll, I'm, I'm excited about watching any of the rest of them. But we got to get past that Davidson game, and I and not do I just want to win, but I also really want to see what the stylistically we look like. Well, if Texas does play Indiana, Providence, North Carolina, Stanford, and and Alabama, give me a short little blurb about each one. Short emphasis on short, you two, about each team and what you think Texas could face in those teams. Just so Texas fans who listen to the show, you know, all five of you who aren't on the team or aren't in the program know what Texas is getting into when, when it comes to these, these games. So I'll take North Carolina first. They're going to be better than they were last year. So if you took a look at them last year, even though they had Cole Fucking Anthony. Cheap shots, son of a bitch. <laughs> take it. He'll take the other ones. Uh, <laughs> but North Carolina will be better. So don't look at their record from last year and say like, oh, well, I guess this is going to be a cakewalk or what a, what a great time to catch North Carolina. They won't be that down again. You know, like always, they're going to be talented. You know, Williams kind of has his own style. So a lot of secondary break stuff, a lot of guys playing pretty fast, a lot of early movement in their sets. And then I don't want to say hero ball, but but he they, they look to find shots early, even if it's not always the best look. So don't be surprised for them. So who would you like to go with next, Jonathan? Oh, do I get to pick somebody? Awesome. I'm not used to this dictatorship that Tim has imposed upon uh, all of us. Yeah, so. Johnny, please go with UNLV so yeah, Tim can take UNLV, Indiana. Please, or yeah, Providence. UNLV will be interesting because uh, right now they are ranked first in every statistical category, so they should be a very elite team. Oh, wait, I'm sorry, they haven't played any games. Um, so I, I'm going to be interested to see how much uh, Otzelberger tries to bring a an Iowa State during Hoiberg mindset to, to his teams. Uh, he, he was one of the offensive minds behind it, so we'll see how that goes. Oh, wow. He actually but, did UNLV. Wow. Yeah, I did UNLV. That's right. Because I'm prepared, motherfuckers. Tim, since we're doing a snake draft, you're next. No, wait. If we're doing a snake draft, then I get the second and third picks. So I pick Bama. Bama's going to be interesting because they play fast and Nate Oates is my mama. So there you go. Tim? Uh, sure, I'll take Indiana. Indiana is sort of similar to us in that they're coming off a year where they were okay. They play faster than we do, but not super fast. Uh, so it'll be an interesting season as far as what they're capable of doing with their, some of their younger guys that are coming in. I don't I, I don't know for sure. I haven't followed them crazy closely, but they're highly ranked. They're thought of pretty highly as far as coming into the new season. So Archie Miller is not Sean Miller, which is nice for for Archie, at least, given the circumstances right now. So you don't really is want to be Archie. Is this the first year that the football team is better than the basketball team? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Is. That yeah. game against Ohio State was wild. It was I wild. Watch, yeah. I was we don't so upset. Football. We don't, we're just supposed to pretend we're football. We're not actually <laughs> going to talk about football. <laughs> okay, okay, so, okay. Yeah, you don't want to be Sean Miller, and you don't want to be Bruce Pearl, um, really ever, but especially right now. So Tim, you get to choose – Providence or Stanford and leave Johnny with the other one. So pick the one that you like best. Let's give Johnny a really bad one, which I mean, he wants to do Providence, right? He, he, we know he wants to do Providence. So you do Providence. Uh, I'll let him do Providence. As silly as it seems, I'll let him do it because I watched Stanford a couple times last year. This is why you're my favorite podcast member too. <laughs> and, 
And I, I need to I need to find it. Did, did Stanford lose Johnny, that super Johnny, good shooter? If you shooter? think that's going to hurt my feelings, it doesn't. I don't care. Was somebody talking? I muted Will three seasons ago. <laughs> the, uh, so Stanford will be interesting. I don't. They had a guy last year named Tyrell Terry who could really, really shoot and was just was kind of a lights out guy, really dynamic guard, and he was super high usage too, as far as dominating the ball and just being the guy that they counted on a lot for shooting. Anytime you lose a player like that, you know you go back to when Oklahoma lost Trey Young. And they've still been kind of reeling. They just they haven't really been able to put it together as much since he has been gone. Coming away from that will be interesting to see how that team really shifts because whenever you have one player that's that's so ball dominant, it can it can be tough to to find your identity. So Stanford, sort of as always, they're going to be a team that you expect to be pretty defensively minded. Jared Hass, who was a you know kind of famously a Kansas Kansas player. Kind of no nonsense. Um, he was like one of those. What do they call him? Um, drive on the floor, floor burn stuff like that, or whatever. Like they, Dick Vitale would always talk about how he was always getting, getting really long winded. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, is that? Wait, is that a bit? Oh, okay. Stanford should be fine. Johnny Providence. That is more words than even the Stanford basketball podcast put towards Stanford this week, just for the record. Yeah, Providence should be fun. I, I well, fun thanks, Johnny. All right, let's go ahead slash... and get into the rest of the out of conference schedule. <laughs> Providence should be fun. Uh, what were you going to say? Were you saying something? Ed Cooley's got pretty interesting hair. Ooh, the hot takes. Hot. Sheesh. And he, and he tore his pants once. What was that? <laughs> and they shit on us last year. Yeah, they did. It was, it's also that. <sighs> well, anyways, so the rest of the out-of-conference schedule, Texas has two really big opponents. We're not going to get really deep into them because we will when that comes up, uh, which will probably be next week, actually. In Villanova and Kentucky, we'll know a lot more about this Texas team when it comes up, but just for the rest of this out-of-conference schedule and just this out-of-conference schedule in general, what should Texas fans expect out of this team before Big 12 play? Pain. Villanova is really good. It's arguably the best program in the country right now. It's going to be a really tough game, regardless of location. Kentucky is a, you'll stop me if you've heard this before, very talented but very young team. So... They could be really tough, but and it also helps that Rupp, unlike Texas, is limiting its attendance below 40,000 people at an event. So there's that. Uh, Rupp will not be Rupp when Texas visits them. Uh, so there's the possibility Texas could come out with a win there, except for Jay Lucas is there, so they know everything about us. So fuck. Yeah, that's sort of that's sort of where it is. Like I, I guess you know if we're looking for sort of where we're gonna where Texas is gonna be uh, at the end of this season or at the end of the non conference play, which is sort of a mishmash, given that Texas is also has some Big Twelve games in the middle of con- non conference play. They've got what are what are they gonna have a grand total of like ten teams? I think ten non conference games, give or take, because they got. Rio Grande, Davidson, two more, Villanova, Texas State, Sam Houston State, Corpus Christi, Kentucky. So nine. Does that sound right? Nine? Okay. So then we're talking about, I'm glad we all got to hear that during the podcast. It's very professional where we all counted. 
if Texas goes... You're listening to Pretend We're Football Counts Things. Pretend We're Math for the next Tune hour. Tune in for Pretend We're Football Googles Things. Yes, yeah. Pretend we're listening to Johnny filibuster while Tim looks things up on the internet. <laughs> so it's not it's not a great acronym, but we're working. It's a work in progress. So if Texas does seven and two or better, that's probably a really good sign. I, you know, depending on who they play in the Maui, Asheville, North Carolina, Hawaii Invitational. You know, the, if they can take out a team like Kentucky on the road, even given the, the circumstances, if they can take out a team like Villanova at home in a neutral environment, which they're used to playing in, then, you know, they, that that could sh- pretend greater things uh, on the season. We'll see if they can pull that off. So one wild thing really quickly, one wild thing is that Texas, at least according to Kempom, is the highest rated team in that Maui tournament. Take from that what you will, but even right now, Texas is rated higher than, than Kentucky from Ken Palm. So, I, yeah, I, I mean, yes, you're correct. Like, I, I'm not disputing that basic fact. I guess for me, it's as much an assertion of what the Big Twelve is going to be this year and how many people are coming back on the important Big Twelve teams as it is what's happening in non-conference. Yeah, for absolutely, no doubt. Well, let's go ahead and get right into the Big 12 then. Thanks You're for that. You're welcome. Thanks for that, Johnny. You're that was welcome. nice. That was nice. And talk about what this Big 12 conference is this year because, I mean, I guess I can answer it. It's freaking loaded. It is absolutely loaded from top to almost bottom. Probably of the 10 teams you have, six of them are serious contenders uh, and will make it to March Madness. Of these 10 teams, where does Texas rank relative to just how powerful this conference is? And actually, before that, how just just give me a taste. How powerful is this conference this year, supposedly? Well, I'm not sure it's the deepest the conference has been over the last five or six years. You know, there have been some times when even teams seven, eight, and nine in the conference have been nationally relevant, but. I certainly think that the the tippy top of the league, this is as strong as, you know, I don't want to say ever because you think back to like 2002, 2003 when, when I want to say Texas was a one seed, Oklahoma was a one seed, Kansas was a two seed, and all three of those teams made it to the Elite Eight. Kansas and Texas made it to the Final Four. So that was, at the top, that's that's super strong. Again, without deifying Ken Palm, you, you take a look at, at his rankings right now, and Texas is ranked number nine and they're the fifth-ranked Big 12 team in the conference from him, right? Wait, so Ken to... Palm and Lunardi are not basketball gods? <laughs> I'm not sure if they are or not, but I... Pomeroy is if... closer than, than Lunardi is, yeah. for sure. So when you ask, like, what what's the conference looking like? You know, obviously Baylor, I think I would still probably put Gonzaga number one. I, I happen to, to really, really like where they are, but almost everyone has either Baylor or Gonzaga uh, at one or two. Kansas is is top five, and then you have us, Texas Tech, and West Virginia. And uh, I'm sorry, real quick, can you imagine if Texas actually played Gonzaga this year, and they had Gonzaga, Villanova, Kentucky, UNC, Baylor, and Kansas? I was really looking forward to that game. Yeah, me too, man. Whew. It would have been wild. So, yeah, how good is the Big Twelve? It's 
at the top really good. But then even then, I, I don't know that people are, are truly aware of how phenomenally good Cade Cunningham, who is a freshman at Oklahoma State, that guy is incredibly good. It would be kind of surprising if he's not the number one pick in the draft next year. The guy's awesome. So when you talk about a team like Oklahoma State, who most people are picking to take, you know, seventh or eighth in the conference, but they happen to have a transcendent kind of player on their team. So, you know, that the guys like him can kind of make a difference. So most people have Baylor and Kansas one and two. And then I guess if from a lot of the places that I've seen, I would say that Texas is picked more often than not to take fifth. Some people might have Texas as high as third, which I think you can make. A, I think you can make a case for. But I also, you know, I, I don't think right now, given the circumstances of, of what our record was last year, in comparison to, to Kansas or Baylor, that you can that you can kind of reasonably put Texas uh, with those top two teams, and maybe even then Baylor is a step or notch above Kansas. And it, you know, Johnny can talk to that too. He wrote a good article about that on his Substack here in the last couple of weeks. Hey, thank you for that. You just keep you keep on you keep on talking about me and what I what I like to say, and I'll keep on reciprocating. <laughs> All right, we you... finally found the formula. This is awesome. All right. Tim, have I told you lately that you have lost weight? Um, <laughs> I like the, so... the Brazilian favelas, <laughs> Greg <laughs> yeah, Brown. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I, you know, you seem so excited about billionaires Royce Ham. I couldn't help but roll with it. So. Yeah, I mean, I guess it, it, when when I wrote that, Baylor, I fucking hate. And like, look, here's the thing: I I'm not gonna wish COVID on anybody because I'm not I'm an asshole, but I'm not that big of an asshole, right? Like when I talk about ways I want Scott Drew to meet his downfall, I, I want I, like I'm trying to thread a needle here because I don't want innocent people to suffer right like i don't want to be like oh he was found diddling kids because that's horrible for the kids right like that's a terrible situation so like i want him to get busted for something really dumb and sort of innocuous that also carries a significant jail term like he got caught i don't know like like he 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 can't stop sniffing the clean underwear at Target, and he ends up stealing thousands of dollars or of it. Embezzling like that from Joel Osteen or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, we, we, need him to, we need him to get caught doing something like... But if he's embezzling you know, from Osteen, Osteen, then he'll be a hero. And is that what you want? <sighs> if he's in jail, that's fine. Like, it sort of unjustifies the means, right? Like, it's, you know, like, find out, like, maybe that he ended up embezzling from the Westboro Church. Right. Like, so they're completely defunct. And also Scott Drew is in jail for the next 15 years. Like, that's sort of where I'm going. So uh, sorry you got COVID. That's the nicest thing I'm going to ever say about you, Scott Drew. Before any of that, uh, the fact that Tristan Clark retired for medical reasons brings Baylor down a notch in my eyes or half a notch in my eyes because he, he was a very important piece of the upcoming season. So Baylor went from a clear favorite in the Big 12 to a favorite, right? Like it's kind of, they got reduced a little bit. Behind them, Kansas, Texas, Texas Tech, West Virginia, all are somewhere in the same general realm. Like I think Kansas definitely can 
play up to the level of Baylor. And I think in a given game, any of those four teams, especially if they're playing their best game, can play up to Baylor. But I think this is a season where Kansas might actually fall out of the top two for once. You know, like third, which is for them is a catastrophic, but for everyone else is awesome. Those are sort of the top kind of teams to me, the top half of this conference. There is, and, and when you take Tech, Texas, West Virginia, they all have these, uh, they're all potentially very good teams that all have things that need to be answered with Tech, it's what is their offense going to look like and, and will someone like Mac McClung do as well in this as, as uh, he did at Georgetown? Or are they, how are they going to replace sort of the clutch moments from David Moretti? Uh, how are they going to deal with their interior defense uh, or their, their, you know, their big who is not on the level yet of what they had when they went to the national championship game uh, with West Virginia. It's what is their outside shooting going to look like? Are they going to be Because even if they're even passable from the outside, they become an extremely dangerous team because their front line is awesome. Uh, Texas, they, we've, we've gone through a lot of their question marks. It's, it's, how are they going to shoot the three? How are they going to get to free throw line? Are they going to convert that sort of thing? You know, among other things. So Kansas, as much as they reload every year, losing Dotson, losing a guy like Azabuke, who was a human bucket, uh, that's a big thing you got to deal with. So all of all of them have these sort of questions. There's a tier below that's Oklahoma and Oklahoma State where they could rise up. I, I could see Oklahoma making a leap because they got that transfer in who's who he's very good. Uh, they could, you know, Brady Manick can shoot from anywhere. Oklahoma State, there's just a ton of questions that they might answer positively, but they might not. And then below that, you're looking at the, the bottom three of Iowa State, TCU, and Kansas State. And, and so that's sort of how the tiers are for me. How are you expecting Texas to take on this Big 12 schedule? What should fans be comfortable with in terms of end of season if they play every single game as a record? That, that caveat is important given how many basketball games have already been canceled and the fact that Texas wants to... Assuming they play yeah. all of them. Yeah, assuming none of the 3,100 fans they lit in every night bring COVID to the entire Metroplex. All right, Johnny, sure. Johnny I'll give you... Th- 30 to 10, uh, 60 seconds rant go. Chris Delcotti is a fucking idiot. How's that? Why would you let 3,100 fans into a stadium, into an enclosed arena when Kansas is only letting half as many in? Like in the city, they've got the same capacity. They have a much more energized fan base. They can sell every ticket they're going to put out. They put in half as many. Whereas Texas is like, yeah, 3,100 in the middle of possibly the worst portion of a generational pandemic. That, that sounds like a good idea. What the fuck? This is a terrible idea. I cannot, like, I, I wish we could tell everyone, stay home. We'll pay you to stay home, like all the workers. Just stay home and we'll pay you your, you know, your salary, your wage, or whatever. We're not in that position, unfortunately, so now we're hurting people, which fucking sucks. But I want everybody to stay home. I want all the fans to stay home because, like, you don't want to kill DJ Mel because you wanted to watch UT Rio Grande Valley get bounced by 25. Like, this is a dumb fucking idea. Stay the fuck home. Watch it on LHN or on whatever ESPN the games are on. Like, just stay the fuck home. Please stay the fuck home. 
that's what that's my TED talk. Uh, ten and eight would be fine. <laughs> I'd be I'd be good with ten and eight. <laughs> I think I think eleven and seven are better. You know, if if they could be eleven and seven, that that would be that would be good. Twelve and six, which I would not bet on, <laughs> but any, anything ten and eight or better would be. I think Texas fans should should take and be very happy. Well, I'm interested in what the ceiling of this team could be and what needs to happen for that ceiling to be reached. Uh, second place is probably the ceiling for this team. I can't imagine a, a likely scenario in which they win the conference. Maybe Scott Drew gives everyone else on the team COVID and so they miss like 14 games in a row and then they end up their only games being like at Kansas and at Texas and some, you know, somehow they end up two and two or something. I, I don't know. Point being, I, I feel like Texas range is sort of between second and sixth. That's, that's kind of where I expect them to be. When I, when I put my projection or my, you know, I don't even want to call it projection. It's not that scientific. My, my, my guess in, I put Texas at fourth. In fact, my prediction was almost exactly the same as what the coaches put together. So I feel like fourth is sort of the median. Uh, second is there. What a they coincidence. Hit <laughs> I, for the record, I put it. I wrote that a day before, and I will defy anyone to prove me otherwise. Rio Honcho, 69. So I think uh, second is their, sort of their, their highest. Six is the sort of... I, I can't see them really dropping below six, probably COVID things notwithstanding. I can't believe we've got another series, another season where it's like, oh, well, uh, yeah, other than the cancer, things are going great. Oh, other than the COVID, things are going great. What, what is happening next season? Are we going to have like a monkey pox caveat? Is that where we're at? Like, oh, things are going really well and we got Greg Brown for a second year and then they got monkey pox. Like, <laughs> oh no, uh, half of it, like... Andrew Jones got came back from cancer and then he got leprosy. It's terrible. Anyway, yeah, second to six is sort of where I'm at with the median being fourth. Uh, I would guess ten and eight or eleven seven is sort of your your best guess of what their conference prediction would be. Given that Shaka is a nine and nine coach most years, it's hard to imagine them going much beyond that. So that's that's probably where I'm guessing. It seems like we know who will win this conference, right? It's either Kansas or Baylor here. Uh, is there another team maybe that that's looking at, you're saying not Texas. Is there another team you're thinking? If West Virginia can shoot, like their interior is like an NBA team. Okay, They're yeah. super good on the inside. <laughs> yeah. So then who gets the number one draft pick in the big 12 draft next year? I don't, oh, don't who's the shittiest. That. Kansas state would be the worst. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that would probably be my guess. Like, I, they seem the most likely. TCU might challenge them to, because TCU's got a lot who's of... Who's tanking for Trevor? A, yeah, who's, who's, who's tanking for a, you know, a Mac job? Yeah, TCU's got a lot of new parts. And while they have some talent, and Jamie Dixon is generally good offensively, if it doesn't fit together, it could get real sketchy real fast. So I don't think Iowa State is in the mix for 10th. They might be like they seem kind of in the eighth range, generally speaking, seventh, eighth range. But if the wheels fall off with Steve Prohm and they get re- like if you go read wide right Natty Light, 
Uh, most of them are not optimistic on this season. And so, I, yeah, I, I would say Kansas State is probably the leader, if for no other reason than Bruce Weber really enjoys not being comfortable in his job. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I think if you're if you're going from the bottom up for those for those five teams that aren't Baylor, KU, Texas Tech, and West Virginia, I, I think probably ten would be most likely Kansas State, and then nine TCU, eight. Iowa State seven. I might even put Oklahoma at seven. Man, that might just be how how highly I think of Cade Cunningham. But but either Oklahoma State and then Oklahoma right there for six and seven. At this point, it would be pretty surprising if that's not the tiers, right? You have your top five, and then you kind of have your bottom five, and and it would. I'd be surprised if any of those bottom five are around five hundred or even better. Like I, it'd be, you'd be pretty shocking to me if Oklahoma got above five hundred. But I would, could see Oklahoma doing it, but but I would say they were sincerely the most likely of them to make that sort of more sort of leap. Yeah, and then from the other standpoint, I'd be surprised if any of those top fives, you know, if any of 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 the you know of KU, Baylor, Texas, or Tech or West Virginia, if any of them are below five hundred, that would be like I think there's a pretty clear cut dichotomy between the top five and bottom five. So then who wins the Big 12 Player of the Year, and why is it Greg Brown? What does Greg Brown do to win Big 12 Player of the Year? I mean— It's going to be Cunningham. Well, it could be one of the, it could be like uh, Macy Oak from Baylor. Teague, yeah. I mean, yeah. maybe. I just I, Cunningham's going to come out, and I think he's going to be like— probably not Durant numbers, but I would not be surprised if he's— if he's somewhere like in the twenty-two and eleven or twenty-two and thirteen range or something like that, he's because he's all they really have. Like he's the best by far. They lost or graduated almost everybody. They don't have anybody who made more than I think it's thirteen threes last year. Right. So I just I think Cunningham will be the most talented, most gifted player in the conference. Even if he's not the best college player next year, his numbers are going to be stupid. So I. I yeah, it might end up being a kind of Trey Young type thing where it's just because he is by far the best player, he's he's carrying a, a super high usage rate and he's, you know, he's racking up stats because of it. So that that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, it's he's a 6-8 point guard, but there's that's just he's a 6-8 point guard. He's really really <laughs> fucking good. He's super good. Yeah. Well, I think that will do it. Well, hey, hold up. It is my birthday. So we're going to go ahead and do something that I want to do. Just pretend you're getting to know us. Everybody knows it as everybody's favorite part of the show. We do it just because the fans love it. Uh, it's not really for us. It's for y'all. We know how much you adore this this segment. They just fast forward past all the basketball for this. Yeah, exactly. Really, that's, that's, what I, that's why we moved it to the end is so that you could get the full feeling of not caring about basketball just to hear us talk about bullshit. But I want to do actually, you know, this week we're doing it for me. As, as I said, it's my birthday. So in typical Will fashion of I only care about myself, what is your fondest birthday memory, uh, and just fondest memory of me in general? <laughs> Boy, fondest memory of Will in general. There was that's it's put me on the spot. Yeah, man. You can do birthday start off, and then as you're talking about birthday, kind of mindlessly. Start well, thinking about was, me. There was the, there was the time I met you and realized that you were not in fact five foot four. So that was, I don't know if that's fond, but it was it's definitely the most surprising. 
Okay, so I'm I'll I'll go ahead and start. So I'll start with my birthday stuff. Uh, so my birthday is April 21st, right? So spring birthday. We're never gonna celebrate that on this. Nope. nope. Not 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 gonna happen. <laughs> not gonna have an April 21st. <laughs> pretend we're football post Mars madness where we talk about being balanced out of the round of 68 for the second time, so that we could just give Tim a happy birthday. This is not going to happen. Yep, that's okay. We don't I'm know. Okay we don't know with COVID. It might be pushed back. Yeah, this would have been the year. Yeah, this is the the Rick Patino Iona, Tim Preston, April Madness edition. That's that's what we got. That's what. Yeah, I keep on hearing that. Everyone talking about that that particular thing. So springtime for me is pretty special because when I when I was in high school, springtime was tennis time. So I always really enjoyed that. And there was when I moved to Iowa, there was. You know, no one, obviously, of course, no one knew who I was. People weren't aware. So I, I'm on this new high school team, and, you know, I tried to be tried to be kind of thoughtful about stuff. But everyone, there was this tournament that was going on for tennis, and and it just kind of happened that that tournament was on my birthday. It was a Saturday. It was on my birthday. I was, I was 16 years old, and there was this one player from around the Des Moines area. So, oh, my God, big time for Iowa. Are you kidding me? Des Moines? Come on. Good grief. So, and that guy had won the tournament the year before, and uh, and so for my birthday, like it was happening on that same day. It was my first year in Iowa. I was there, and we were playing, and I and we we're in this tournament, and I I beat him. His name was Aaron, but they spelled it weird. It was Eron. Like I'm not gonna lose a fucker whose name was Eron. Jesus Christ, hey, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, like nice try. Anyway, so I shit on him, uh, and and that was and like. And everyone's like, whoa, you beat Eron? I was like, yeah, I beat Eron. Let's fucking go. Anyways, this is a good day. One of my best days probably ever. Uh, my favorite thing about Will, I'm just so, I'm, I'm you know, again, I'm, I'm if, you, if you know me well enough, I'm a pretty sentimental guy. Like, I'll be pretty relaxed with stuff, but I'll, I can also be pretty sentimental. And I had told Will last, last year, right before kind of COVID really hit, I had said to Will, hey, we are thinking about taking our family down to St. Louis because I've heard that St. Louis is a cool city for for families. And I kind of said it to Will in passing in one of the in one of the uh, in one of our podcasts, like like before we actually started recording for the actual show. And like thinking like, oh, maybe he'll give me a recommendation for a place to go or something to do. And this son of a bitch like gives me this huge list of like fucking 90 things that you can take your families to do and like they all have ratings and places to go and how much things cost like you he puts this thing together that was just like really super thoughtful and and helpful and of course we didn't go because of covid stuff but like i was like oh my gosh this guy is this guy you know will do this for anyways it was just it just really meant a lot to me that he that was willing thing to took take a while to put together yeah, that was awesome. It was great. I still have it. We're gonna we're gonna use it. So I have friends that that I spend time with in person that wouldn't do that for me. So that, that you do that for me is really cool. I appreciate it. As podcast dictator, this is my favorite segment we've ever done. <laughs> Johnny, here it comes. Here it comes. This is this, gonna be incredible. Gonna be such Sentimental a Johnny. Version. <laughs> it's just such a downfall. Like I, I, whenever, whenever I ask you to give me some uplifting birthday or like Christmas story, it usually <laughs> ends up with a dead cat of some sort. So it's no, no cats died on your birthday that I'm aware of. Um, I could pretend if that makes you feel better. No, with, that, on your birthday, not on oh, mine. on my birthday. That's right. Yeah, no cats died on my birthday. Although I did. <laughs> so funny you mention it. 
Uh, I have a <laughs> oh, I have God. a Google phone. G four, whatever the uh, Pixel four, yeah, Pixel four, and um, one, one of those, the things one it of does, those it bastard has, green it, texters. It has, yes, I am. That's uh, that's why every time someone from an Apple phone gives an emotional reaction to any of my texts, it says liked, and then quotes the entirety of the text message, um, which is awesome. Super happy for that. So. Google Photos likes to remind you of things. It says, hey, go look at what happened a year ago and two years ago and three years ago. So this this the past week has been quite a quite a, a roller coaster because two years ago this time I was on a cruise somewhere tropical and it was nice. And uh, four years ago was when my Atlantis. girlfriend got me. What's that? When did you go to Atlantis? Weren't you in the Bahamas, like with Texas around this time? Uh, I think that was four years ago, something like that. Yeah. So it, it might have been photos from that as well. So yeah, that might have been the four years ago. So there's, or that was like three or four years ago. Anyway, so four years ago, it it gives me the uh, my my girlfriend bought me one of those the experiences where you like get to use a backloader and the, you know, like you get to use the excavator and that sort of stuff. And they have the, you can like smash up a car with it and that sort of thing. Like it was what is that thing? So I have photos of that. And then five years ago, it's of when I had to put my cat down. So there's that. Thanks for reminding me of that. Will. Oh, that's Johnny's favorite birthday. What's your your birthday, Johnny? Yeah, that's not my birthday memory. You just, you brought up, like, it, I would bring up some sort of sick cat thing. And I was like, hey, that does remind me, actually. So that's not it. Favorite birthday memory is uh, a little different. So I guess my favorite birthday memory is actually from last year. Because last year, uh, on my birthday, I was on a bullet train from Venice to Rome. And I got to spend... Four hours staring at the Italian countryside on a, in a decently nice train and eating a taco my, in Italy. Yeah, no, that was later. Uh, my my girlfriend actually went without me knowing and and booked a reservation for dinner somewhere, and so we went to have dinner on my birthday, and I got to spend my birthday in Rome. That was that was pretty badass. So um, that would probably be my fondest birthday memory, I guess. Um, nicest thing about Will is that he puts entirely too much work into these podcasts, frankly. like he, People don't do not, know. People have we no do, idea. Yeah. <laughs> you have no idea how many times over the past hour, nine, and 30 seconds that I have said, um, because you won't hear it. I'm going we'll, to take that um out of... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Just maybe, maybe bleep it <laughs> like it's a curse word. There, there. That was, that was supposed to be an um. He puts a lot of fucking work into these things, like way more than anyone could possibly justify given the listenership we have. So I guess I would say that my fondest memory of Will is the work he does for me as some sort of peon, even though he owns this thing. So thank you, Will. I I appreciate that. That was a lot more wholesome than I was hope. Well, not I was expecting. I was expecting all the shit on me. But again, as podcast dictator it's this is pretty feeling pretty good i think we should do that just every week (laughs) it's gonna get dark next week (laughs) (laughs) y'all my foundest birthday memory is i mean there there's a few things i could pull and i was trying to go through it 
over the past you know ten minutes while you were talking, and I was only really paying attention for when you were talking good about me. But <laughs> so uh, the past two minutes or so, yeah, yes. exactly. Uh, you know, I've had you know my birthday in Hawaii after Texas beat A and M for the last time. You know, I I had it in Spain one year when I was living in Spain. I, I've had it. You know, I've had great birthdays, but the birthday I remember the most. Well, it's funny I say that. The one that comes to mind is last year. Do y'all remember me telling you my birthday last year? Did I say this on the podcast? No, but you texted me, and I I know that you probably don't remember texting me. Yeah, exactly. So I last year in September, and I had joined a new company, and I was trying to make a really good impression at this company, and you know, get on the good side of all my colleagues and boss along comes my birthday and little did i know that it's a tradition to go out on your birthday this company after work so we go out to the bars a little early my boss and other guys bought me round after round after round of drink i ended up in the bathroom, my girlfriend, I called my girlfriend, I called my parents, I called Johnny, I think, to come you, and, you at least texted me, yes. To come and get me. I don't remember this. I don't remember how my girlfriend got me home. I don't remember really any anything. Anything. Is this your fondest non-memory of your birthday? Yeah, no, it was a lot of fun, but also incredibly embarrassing. And I still I still am a little bit uh, embarrassed about it but it was a lot of fun i had a lot of fun uh good company really good company. drinking is fucking great drinking is great it's true this is true this is true yeah. i probably should have told that story on a on a podcast but it's out there now uh, there's just no getting around it there's no way to get rid of that story right I, I now i can't it's get just... rid of it it's out there it really <laughs> is it's there's no mechanism that you could possibly delete things. Really looking forward to bringing this up when you're trying to be a senator in 23 years. <laughs> On that note, y'all, thank y'all for pretending we are football for the past hour. I have been your host, Will Bazer. You guys can find me on Twitter at W-I-L-L-B-A-I-Z-E-R. Mr. Johnny Brashear. Where can we find you? Uh, Substack and Twitter. You can find me... Uh, bitterwhiteguy.substack.com uh, I know someone is is aware of it because I've gotten four emails from the same person in the last hour with various <laughs> articles they just started reading. So I thank you. I'm glad you're listening and or reading. That's not a shot at you because Lord knows I could use some listeners and readers right now. But yes, that there in Twitter. That I, close to monetizing, Johnny. That close. Yeah, I'm so close to like I'm gonna turn on that paid subscription and get like a solid three dollars a month out of it from basically Tim out of pity. You poor bastard. Uh yeah, you can find me uh at InsideTexas.com. Being so self centered as to not even let me bring you in. Hey Will, where can we find you? Oh, yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter at W-I-L-L-B-A-I-Z-E-R. Johnny, where can we find you? Oh, uh, I'm uh, on Twitter at BitterWhiteGuy and also on Substack at BitterWhiteGuy.substack.com. Uh, Will, Will where, where can we find you? Oh, Johnny, well, thank you for so much for asking. Uh, you guys, Tim, is there something wrong? Look, I waited for you to talk me in, and you 
held off for a second, so I thought I would just kind of take my time. Yes, you can find me at InsideTexas.com. Kim, I didn't ask you where we could find you. I, I just asked if there was anything wrong. No, everything's fine. Okay, that's what I thought. Anyways, you can find uh, our podcast and other ones. No, Tim, where can we find you? Okay. It... I'm sorry. That's all the time we have. We're at like an hour 1530. <laughs> yeah, we're really, we're really pushing it here, Tim. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So InsideTexas.com, a lot of cool stuff going on on our site. Come check us out. And on Twitter at InsideTexasHoop, no S. Uh, again, if you like retweets uh, once every day or so, I'm your guy. And Tim, tell me a story about this week, from this week. Just just end it off. Boy, from this week. Wow, it was a good day today. I started off, you know, we're working with some of my seniors in my classes about advertising, and we're doing... Uh, we just started talking today about about storyboarding, which is really cool, right? I think storyboarding is kind of fun because it, it, you know, you think about, you know, writing essays or whatever when you talk about normal language art stuff. And so it doesn't seem to, you know, how do essays fit with storyboarding? Because they just are such a very different medium. But on the same token, it's it's a really cool way with storyboarding to to kind of visualize the process and kind of have this larger story and, and uh you know, it was it was neat to see some of my students have an opportunity to kind of express themselves and think about what can I, how can I um, contextualize. We're fading him out at this point, right? Like no, this is this is where no, oh, oh, okay. I want to thank the academy. I want to thank uh, Jonathan and Will. I I want to. Uh, I don't know the songs uh, for the academy. Uh, wrap it up B (laughs) there was a student and they were bad okay you guys can find other shows like this on the Hornscast channel that's the Hornscast channel on any podcasting platform out there thank y'all for listening we'll see y'all next week hook em hook em you love me you really love me